From an outside perspective, restaurants are the perfect getaway. Great food, inviting atmosphere, comforting environment. It's an all-around fantastic time for friends and family alike. Though it can be beautiful and enriching from the inside perspective as a guest, one doesn't see the hardships and stressors of creating a wonderful experience. Every restaurateur goes through struggles and challenges that can make or break them. This podcast aims to explore that. Pulling back the curtain and understanding what it's truly like to run these establishments as told by those who do it. I'm Justin Warner and you're listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. Who are you and what do you do? I am Hannah Lee. I am a partner at Hirsch Chef. My husband also owns the restaurant. His name is Fanyo Her. And I am also a full-time psychotherapist. Wow. It sounds like you you might have your hands full there. A little bit, especially with two kids as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. So tell me a little bit. I, I obviously have to touch on psychotherapist, but how did you get into restaurants? So it's actually my husband who got into the restaurant. Our restaurant's name is called Her Chef. I'm the her behind Her Chef, and he's the chef at the restaurant. He just wanted to you know, start the restaurant business after being a teacher, chemical engineer, working in Korea, being a chemist. Like, yeah, he just got into the restaurant business because he came to Canada and started cooking for international students. And everyone was encouraging him to, you know, start his own restaurant because they loved his cooking. So yeah, that's how he got into the restaurant business. For me, I came along for the ride because I married him. (laughs) Got it. And so, I mean, how does one say, hey, I've got all these degrees and, you know, I'm a chemical engineer in one place. But you know what? Forget all that. Even though I probably went to school for all that, even though that sounds super ambitious. And then you say, oh, no, I'm going to open a restaurant. I mean, what was that like? Was was your partner dispassionate in the chemical engineering field or accounting and bookkeeping and so on? Yeah. So he actually was a, actually, it's not chemical engineer, it's textile engineer. I got that uh, incorrect. Sorry. So got he it. was a textile engineer in Korea. That's where we're from. And as a lot of immigrants can relate, when you come to Canada, your degree doesn't mean anything. It's just a piece of paper. So he had to go back to school and he learned accounting and bookkeeping. And he did not have a passion for it. And you know, throughout his whole life, he wanted to do three things. He wanted to be an engineer and he wanted to be an artist as well as a chef. So he decided, you know, bookkeeping isn't for me. I hate it. I'm not good at it. And I said, you know, pursue something that you're passionate about, something that you're good at. That's going to keep you happy overall, right? Right. And so that's why he wanted to get into the restaurant business. Wow, that's awesome. So you said, well, I'm along for the ride. How did you all meet? So we actually met on a blind date (laughs) and someone set us up. They said, you know, Hannah, we've got the perfect guy for you. He loves to cook and he's good at cleaning and being a textile engineer, he knows how to sew and, you know, all that stuff and do laundry. So, yeah. Amazing. I am the the head stain remover in my house as well. So (laughs) I I identify. Um, I also, I won the Home Ec Award which I don't know if you're familiar with American home economics doesn't really exist anymore, but it was a class in middle school where you basically learned how to sew and make an omelet. And I was the only dude to get the home economics award that year. You know, I'm just curious here. So 
It sounds like this is a gentleman of, of many talents. Um, mm-hmm. Does he bring any of those other talents into the restaurant biz? Because, you know, you've got napkins, you know, that's a textile. You've got to clean things. You've got to obviously cook things. And you also have to know something about books, because if you don't know about books, well, you've probably lost the battle already. Yeah. So uh, Her Chef is a really small restaurant and it's a mom and pop restaurant. So in the kitchen, he's by himself. We have one staff for the front of the house, but you know, they're everywhere. And he's the one that did the table. He made his own tables, <laughs> painted his own walls. He did the bookkeeping, the marketing. I mean, I do the social media stuff where it requires the English, English component. But he does it all. He creates the menus, the food, and then he sees things from like, I don't know, a scientific perspective, like meat should be cooked at this temperature for it to be. And it's so scientific how he does it to a point where for him, it's like a chemical equation when he makes a dressing instead of like, oh, this would go well with this or you could just buy this at the store. But instead, he'd rather spend 10 hours making a sauce. Right, right, right. I identify with that. Uh, How do you describe what you guys are are cooking and how many seats do you have? So seats right now, we have about 25 or 20 20 to 25 seats in the restaurant. But mostly we are focused on takeouts. Initially, you know, he set up the restaurant for international students because we are downtown Toronto. And there's a University of Toronto nearby. And he wanted to just provide comfort meals to a lot of the international students that's there. That's affordable. That's kind of somewhat healthy and filling, right? Yeah. Wow, that's super cool and admirable. Do you think the ambition... So wait, did the restaurant start before the two of you got together? Or were they already... Is it already happening? So the crazy thing is when we got together, he was working at a private high school as a teacher slash like admin. (laughs) And then he started to do a homestay with international students. And then we got married and then we had a baby. So we're like, okay, let's kind of move on and do something that you enjoy. And he said, I want to open up a restaurant. I'm like, okay, well, good thing I have my job. (laughs) Because as you know, like if you want to start up a restaurant, you've got to have the finances, right? So I was kind of like the sole provider as he was pursuing his dream. <laughs> I got it. Sometimes I feel like that that is the case. Oftentimes I think in this industry, from an outsider, cooking is someone's dream. But you know, for, for everyone where cooking is a dream, it's also like someone else's nightmare. Obviously, it would seem that you like to eat because that was uh, one of the top three characteristics that were listed during this blind date. Yeah. Uh, do you like to cook or is cooking not your thing? Are you more of a consumer? I'm more of a consumer I <laughs> and, a crit- <laughs> and I critique him a lot on like this tastes good and this tastes, you know, bad or this needs improvement. I always believe that cooking is something that it's, you either have it or you don't. And I know I had to cook, but the passion isn't there for me. But whereas for him, cooking is his love language. Like if you're sick, oh, let me make you this. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Well, instead of buying chocolates, I'm going to make you my own chocolate. <laughs> so that's what he does. Right. I, I identify very much. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of other people in this industry uh, have like a, you know, you mentioned the word love language. And, you know, the cool thing about cooking is that to me, in the right context, 
you're literally taking something and let me correct myself. You're the psychotherapist, not me, but like love languages would be like an act of service, right? right. I made you something physical touch. You're literally going to put this thing in your mouth. Words of affirmation. You're so special. Here's this thing for you. And then gifts. And so like cooking kind of accomplishes a little bit of all of those love languages. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. And, you know, the biggest thing that sold me on my husband was really when he met my grandma and my mom and he made this beautiful Vietnamese wrap kind of style, but it was this entire dining table was filled with, you know, meats and veggies and stuff for us to make or to eat. And as soon as my grandma finished the meal and we got in the car, she said, I hope you marry him. <laughs> like, oh. based on this cooking, you just want me to marry him? You don't know what he does. <laughs> I love that. So I looked at your menu and you said you focus mostly on takeout, but there's like a lot of technique. And a lot of things that I think other people would just phone in and say, well, I'm okay with that. Where do you find that ambition and drive to do something different, something out there? You know, I'm I'm seeing a little bit of, you know, Korean stuff. I'm seeing a little bit of Japanese stuff. I'm seeing, you know, all sorts of influences here. But then you have something like cloud egg, which is just like, what? You know, that, that takes time. You could just fry an egg. Yep. Yeah. And that's him wanting to be that scientist and that artistic creative side coming together. And he's not okay with being, oh, that's just normal or that's just typical, right? He wants to go above and beyond that. And I agree. That's how people stay passionate too, is that you find the value behind the things that you do and you connect with it. So each thing that he puts on the menu is truly something meaningful to him. And we have fun with the names because it's so meaningful like, to our personal lives that helps them continue on and be passionate about it. I love that. Let's talk about you. So you said you help with the social media, but I have learned in my many years now in this industry, my father was a psychologist. And so there's a certain, and I know you know this happens, there's like psychology study through osmosis. Where like just if you're in the proximity of a psychologist, like just because, you know, you're around them, you will learn something about psychology and how humans work. Because in my opinion, and maybe I'm generalizing here, but I would only be generalizing about my dad. A psychologist is always going to tell you the psychologist answer for the psychologist answer to the question, if that makes sense. Because once you understand psychology, like you can't really look at any, you're literally studying the mind and how things work, you know? Right. And so you literally can't look at any problem without seeing the psychological rationale or solution for it. Does your study of human nature, uh, the mind and emotions help this restaurant situation? I think so, because a lot of the people will come in and they'll say, you know, we come in here for the story behind the food or behind this restaurant. And we actually have our story of you know how who he is and what our restaurant value and mission is on the walls of our restaurant so that and I think that is my psychology background coming into play of you know human relationships and connection and what it means for our restaurant to continue and why he created it in the first place. Totally. I love that. And I think in a world where do it yourself and automation is ever popular, increasing you know, I won't use a self-checkout scanner if I don't have to. Like, I don't like doing that. You know, that those machines took jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they pay me for checking out. 
you know, that would be nice. That would make total sense. Or, you know, sometimes I find myself annoyed. Look, there's nothing wrong with like the quick service option where it's like build your own thing. But like, you know, what you have chefs for, you know, is, is kind exactly. of how I sometimes feel. I'm like, you know, they're literally putting so much blame on you. If you don't like it, well, you built it, dummy, you know? So yeah. I, I like that you, you're kind of reminding people that food at its best is a human product and there is like a soul and a mind and a heart and relationships that that are behind all of that exactly and you know my husband and i were talking the other day and we're talking about the five senses and it's food isn't about just like the touch and the texture and the taste and what you see it's also like has a lot to do with the memory of who you're eating it with and the atmosphere right and yeah, we really focus on not just the food, but what people feel when they eat the food and the people that they're with as well. If you ever have a problem customer, are you like, well, Freud would say. <laughs> no, um, we have a problem customer. We kind of have to not take it so personally, but we do definitely dwell on it. <laughs> try to figure out what went wrong. <laughs> I will, I, if a customer, you know, is poorly behaved enough, I, I will spend like the last half hour of a shift simply writing a fake story as to what brought them to this moment in their life where they had to take it out on us. And just to keep my staff morale happy. And generally, it's like humorous and funny and that sort of thing. That's interesting because we always, my husband and I always decompress and it's him, you know, he's working by himself most of the time or with one person. So I'll tell them like, maybe they had a bad day and this had happened and I would create this elaborate stories for him so that he can really take it out of different perspective and not see it as this is a personal attack on me, but rather, you know, be able to kind of hold on to that situation lightly and kind of move past it. Right. I totally get it. How does psychotherapy help you in being partners with someone who is so devoted to this industry? The reason I ask is because I always refer to restaurants as like pirate ships, you know, they, you don't care what they came from. As long as they do the rowing, as long as they move the sails and you might get some gruff attitudes, you might get overachievers, you might get people who stress out easily or people who don't stress out enough. And I think it takes a certain skill set mentally, physically and emotionally to work as a chef, how does psychotherapy help you be a good partner to someone who is clearly also married to this industry? I'm sure I've heard from other restaurant owners that it's not easy and their advice is don't get into it. But being a psychotherapist, I see what his passion is and I see what his values are, what matters to him. And I see that every day that he goes to work, it's a one step closer to the big picture that he wants, a value-driven life. And so it's so easy for me to support him in that, even though he spends you know, 12 hours outside the home and he has one day a week off. But I know that it's not something that's time-wasted or he's you know, unhappy about it. Got it. Um, how old are your kids? I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. How do they feel about the restaurant? They think it's, you know, they love it because there's a construction going on and they love cranes. So they oh, cool. get to see it. And they love my husband's cooking. 
And we actually used our boys, their nicknames in the restaurant menu, like Gumi Gumi is our dessert. So that's our son and stuff. So they, I would explain it to the older one and he kind of understands and he's happy that he gets to be a part of something that he's not really kind of understanding, but yeah. Nice. So let's talk about, you know, this restaurant's been around for a little bit. How many years now? We opened December 2018. Essentially, it seems like you're kind of over the the hump, right? It seems like you're probably in the lifespan of a restaurant in the, you know, moving forward, maintaining, not necessarily climbing the the highest and hardest of peaks yet. Uh, You have already done most of those, correct? We've done it, but due to, as you know, the global pandemic, it's kind of like a hit of reset on a restaurant. And so we are once again trying to get back and trying to reestablish ourselves within the community and let people know that dine-in is open and that we're still here. Right. How do you, I mean, we have to talk about it, you know, what did you do? So unfortunately we had to lay off our staff, which is not many, but my husband worked all by himself. He worked, you know, 12 hour days. He did the takeout. He was the front of the house, back of the house. And he still is the only back of the house at the restaurant, right? Right. Well, uh, it sounds like you didn't have an incredibly tough time pivoting. Although I will say that that had to be some, to some degree, a little bit of an ego blow and kind of a disappointment. Because if I know any chef, the second it goes into a to-go container, you love it a little bit less. Yes. He had a hard time grasping that. And so I think that's where my psychotherapy background came in is, okay, well, you have this situation that you can't control. There's lockdowns. How are you going to make it work so that it's workable for you, that you can still enjoy it? Think about the value behind it. Think about the people behind this. What can you still do? Right. And so that helped us really pivot. And I said, you know, let's come back to the place of gratitude too. Be thankful for that, you know, three people that would come in or, you know, the limited amount of people, but still be grateful that we could still continue on whether it's takeout or not. I love it. So it sounds like your partner here is kind of a one man band. How do you, and he prevent burnout, fatigue, the got to do it all syndrome. You know, the fact that if you had one wish, you would wish maybe for 26 hours instead of 24, which I think is, is so prevalent and so rampant in this industry and so wildly unhealthy that you wish there would be more time that one could work. But it's everywhere. Yes. Yeah, so actually, we believe in suffer now, rest later is kind of our family motto. And it's been my motto for my entire life. So right now, we know that this is the time to grind, you know, to hustle and to work hard. And we know that the rest is coming, hopefully. <laughs> but I also remind my husband, it doesn't matter if you're working 60 hours or 20 hours or even 80 hours, as long as you're mindfully present in what you're doing, you're not worried about, oh, I'm missing sleep or I'm missing rest. As long as you're mindfully present in that moment, you'll still be okay. You'll still be enjoying the rest, even if it is limited. And he does have his set rest times. So he's a big computer gamer. And what's he play? <laughs> he plays World of Warcraft, which is one of the things that's on our menu. I'm Mountain Torrent. <laughs> nice. And uh, he comes home after work and he that's his free time. He gets to play and decompress and relax. 
I, uh, I know the feeling and I, I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but there is something I, I like to play video games after work as well. And there is something that I've seen happen now that video games are very like online and collaborative. What I've seen happen is my staff will, will all play the same game together, even though we just got done playing a cursed game called service. You know, it, it's kind of fun because there is this release in that you're not actually doing anything, but you're still getting something accomplished because otherwise it wouldn't be a game. But it's, I don't know, it's like service light or something where it like helps you ease out of that mode. You're kind of still in that mode in that like you're crushing tickets or crushing goblins, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but yet you, it kind of just, it helps you put the landing gear down a little bit. And so you're totally okay with that. I am. I realized that that's his thing. I mean, I enjoy working out. So I told him, I said, you know, I want to work out in the mornings. If the kids wake up, that's your job. And I go work out. And for him, he plays computer games till late at night. And that's his thing. So we kind of have that understanding, like, (laughs) not to bother each other and respect our own times. You hear that, honey? Um, (laughs) Cool. I totally get that. So we've kind of talked about some of the challenges. We've talked about what you both bring to the table. When you talk about, you know, suffer now, rest later, what does that later look like? What are the goals? You know, I know that you have the beginning uh, in your restaurant name, which kind of implies that there is more to come. Are you looking for a sequel? Are you looking for, uh, you know, an extended director's cut? Or are you looking to just kind of move on to something else? So the biggest goal that my husband has is actually create a franchise in and he's got, you know, four parts to it where it's like the beginning, her chef, beautiful night, her chef, goodbye, and her chef, begin again. And he's got different themes for each restaurant. And he's a big dreamer, obviously. So he's got all these themes and what he wants to do uh, as a goal set in mind. So hopefully we get to do that. I like that. So speaking of dreams, and you've talked about stories and how important this is, you have an event called One Table. Mm-hmm. Can so, you talk to me about it? Yeah. So pre-pandemic, we used to actually rent out the entire restaurant for an hour on Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. And people would submit their stories. It's mostly love stories and how they want to celebrate their anniversary. For my husband, who was an international student when he came and it was hard to you know, take their girlfriends or whatever dates to a fancy restaurant. And he just wished that it was a lot affordable. So what he did is he's charging people $10 per person. It's unlimited. And, you know, he will create appetizer, dinner and dessert based on their love story that, you know, helps them be creative with it. And they get to celebrate their anniversary or their date night that's at an affordable cost without spending, you know, hundreds of dollars on a fancy fine dining. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that that, you know, we've talked a lot about who this person is and literally the psychology of, of your restaurant. But I think that that's something truly special, you know, it, where it's even more intimate than a chef's table, because it's not just a chef giving this like kind of top down culinary monologue. It's literally like, simply a response to a question. And I kind of like that. I think that's super special. As my very last question, I ask this to every guest. 
If someone wanted to get involved in this industry, what advice would you give? My advice is know that know your true passion for this. Know your values behind it and really ask the question why. Why you want to be in the restaurant business. If you don't have that passion or the love for it, when the tough times come, you're going to give up. It's going to be really hard, especially on the family too. So have a partner that will support you and have a vision for it. Thank you for listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. I'm Justin Warner. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we will catch you on the next one. Her Chef, The Beginning is located at 599 Bloor Street West in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. For more information, visit her-chef.com for more details.